everyone and welcome to Opera Omnia. This is season three, episode number seven. I am one of the hosts on this show, the main guy behind the mic, Duncan McLeish. Welcome. On this third season, we're looking at the filmography of David Fincher. And we are kind of we're kind of starting to wind down now. We're on the, the, the kind of back stretch of his filmography, and we're coming off the dizzying highs of Zodiac, which is a movie that is just so jaw-droppingly good, it's, it's kind of difficult to put it in words. Don't believe me, go back and listen to the previous episode and, and check out me and my resident guest host stumble our way through trying to tell you how fucking awesome that movie is. Speaking of my resident guest host, joining me for the entire third season looking at the Fincher filmography is my good friend, my, my, my close compadre, my podcasting co-host so many years now, long-suffering some would say, I would say j- we're just starting, um, it is of course Bo Ransdell, how are you doing sir? Oh, we're just getting warmed up. It's <laughs> um, my Pacino for the day. Uh, I'm doing well. I, I'm very interested to have this conversation with you because we we had a little bit of before the show talk about it, but I'm I'm interested to get deeper into it because I I uh, I will will I'll save it. But I think that. Uh, uh, this has been an interesting kind of back to back because you're right. Like Zodiac is so good, yeah, that it's just it, like no movie is gonna stack up to it because very few movies do. And then coming to this, which is such a very different kind of film in Fincher's filmography, and within a year, this came out within a year of Zodiac coming out, which is just weird. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just so two totally different vibes and not to step on any toes here but you know people come for information Duncan. <laughs> they come here to learn and this is one of those movies that bounced around for a long time mm-hmm. between like at one point steven spielberg was gonna do this and then it you know bounced to other directors and it wasn't until fincher's father died mm-hmm that he decided to do this movie and i think that says a lot about why this movie is what it is yeah you know like i think the screenplay like eric roth who had also done forrest gump and I, this movie feels <laughs> it's very forrest gumpy gump. into me yeah <laughs> it's very forrest gump. <laughs> and right and i think that it's weird to see david fincher try to do something that's kind of that crowd pleasing melodrama yeah as opposed to such specific movies like even alien 3 feels so much more of a fincher movie than this does at times yeah the the kind of the digital effects in this movie feel very like to me that that on some level that I, i imagine that being an appeal to Fincher, just knowing how he handles digital effects in these movies, he's like, you know, he's got he's surrounded by the best people and constructs some of the best examples of that. That you know, on some level, the challenge to do something like that, I imagine him getting very giddy about doing. But this is not the sort of movie you would expect from the man that had given you the movie Fight Club. Uh, so, like, you know, it's, it's so far removed. 
Yeah, and I don't think he ever comes back to this kind of place. No, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, no, th this really feels like a, a sort of a rare bird, a rare hummingbird, perhaps. Um, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, in the in the filmography of of David Fincher, like it, it's just such a an outlier. Yeah. In terms of like tone and subject matter, and everything after this gets. I mean, maybe Gone Girl is the closest as far as being more broadly or have has more broad appeal. Well, yeah, because after after this he went on to what's well, after after this is the Social Network, which is yeah. I mean it's a very you know it, it feels like a Fincher movie, you know what I mean through and through. Yeah. Um, Gone Girl very much again has has a Fincher aesthetic, but story wise it doesn't feel that in keeping with what you've had in previous ones once again it's based on someone else's work so there may be an you know a bit of that in there where he's you know the book was so well received at the time and then you know he's then doing the remake of the girl with the dragon tattoo which once again is him remaking something that's been out there so there's a, a part of that where i feel like you know fincher gets to put his stamp on something that's already out there and the zeitgeist that people know even with the social network it was you know based on something that people were aware of or people had read into so this one i mean it's based as it's a ginsburg shot isn't it it's a uh, uh, f scott fitzgerald is it all oh, right sorry not ginsburg yeah, yeah yeah jesus christ duncan no, Ginsburg. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah like i want to see david fincher adapting howl <laughs> yeah by Allen Ginsberg. <laughs> Head explosion when I watch that. Because uh, he could yeah, do it. It'd be mental. Brad, Brad Pitt narrating. I've seen the best minds of my generation. Consumed by madness. Starving. Hysterical. <laughs> but like before before we, we get like a deep dive into doing a little bit of the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, as we always do at the start, just a little bit of background of this movie. So I remember seeing this one not at the cinema. I kind of refused to go and see this one at the cinema. Um, mostly because it didn't look like my sort of thing. Uh, but I don't think it was that long after that I did see it. And I was trying to, I was trying to do the timeline in my head here, so I think this is maybe about 2010 that I probably finally got around to watching this movie. And my distinct memory was this is a long movie. But I couldn't remember having half the issues that I did on this my second ever watch of it. Uh, where like a ton of things where I was like this is <laughs> what we're doing here um, like the, I, I started to well maybe because I was looking at it more with a critical eye but like I can't ever like it was one of those movies that I watched it and when it finished it was very much like the game actually where I finished it it was like that right I'll probably never watch that movie again and yeah. you know yeah. the, this like what's been interesting is like watching the game that time around, I was like, yeah, I could probably watch the game again, flaws and all. Um, or even Panic, Panic Room, son. You know, where a movie which... Panic Room, son! <laughs> which I'd watched and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's an okay movie. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. This time around for this show, coming off the back of that, I was like, you know, this is, this is a movie I would definitely watch again. I will say, and this is no spoiler at all, um, I'm probably never watch this movie again. I think like the second time for me is really solidified that I my, my life will be fine moving forward without a third viewing of the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. What about yourself? What's your history with the movie? When did you see it first? 
I saw it pretty quickly after it hit home video because I I love Zodiac so much. Yep. And I was kind of in that place of like I'll just watch anything Fincher does, and I'm still in that place. In fairness, like yep. I'll I think that he is way more uh, he has way more hits than misses. Yeah. And and the hits are sometimes brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And but then there are misses, and sometimes those are super long. <laughs> Maybe it's so long. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, I like, I have kids now, Duncan. <laughs> and that wasn't true when I started The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> One of them's in college. I, I, so, I, I do think there's a, there's a bit of uh, Fincher humor in there about <clears throat> making a movie about time and how we perceive it and the importance of how it affects us and shapes us. Um, you know, put in the vehicle of an almost three-hour movie <laughs> yeah and uh, i mean we'll get we'll get into the ins and outs of it but yeah so i i remember seeing this on home video thinking like you thinking like boy that felt long mm. and and also like yourself thinking i don't know that i need to watch this ever again yeah and because I felt like I got what I ought to have gotten out of it the first time around. And then watching it again, I might have appreciated it strangely a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Just I maybe it's just a factor of getting older. You know, like the last time I saw this movie, I was in my 30s. Now I'm in my, you know, mid to late 40s. Mm -hmm. And you start to think about the grave a little bit more. <laughs> And and there are moments in this movie that I I think there's uh, some real poignancy, mm -hmm. uh, because again you know like like we talked about with Alien Three to some degree, you know Fincher is just too good a director to just make a complete shit pile. Yeah, and and so there are things about Benjamin Button that I I responded to more so than my first time with the film. I don't know that that totally redeems it, yeah. but um, but it was interesting to to revisit it because I kept I had forgotten how many great actors are in it. This movie and, has a ridiculous cast. I mean, it's like on some level it it's it's almost embarrassing how many like known, well known, and like super famous actors are in this movie dotted around absolutely everywhere for sometimes what appears to be only five minutes at a time yeah yeah the, the jared harris i had totally <laughs> forgotten was in this movie so like he's kind of proto the terror role which i kind of loved <laughs> yeah with a with an erection um yeah <laughs> maybe my favorite thing of this movie is seeing the outline of jared harris's junk on the stairs yeah <laughs> Like I'd forgotten Tilda Swindon was in this movie. Like completely. I did too. Wait, Tilda Swindon, Mahershala Ali. I was like, what the like, fuck? How, like a young Mahershala Ali as well before he became all famous and shit. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it was, it's crazy the cast in this movie. Yeah, one truly one of the most stacked casts that he's ever had for a film. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone again, it's the guy who directed like Zodiac and Fight Club doing a script by the guy who had done Forrest Gump yep. not so long before 
and why on earth would you not i mean this smells like oscar to me duncan well so, yeah so it was up for a few it was up for i think it was 11 oscars this movie was up for which it just shows you how fucking stupid the academy is <laughs> Like they but just like, go for the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah, like it, it just feels like there's there's a part of me that feels like, like I, I don't know. I, I always hate to like take the, the most cynical approach, but I know what humanity's like, um, and I, I just can't help it. There is a part of me that that feels like Fincher maybe, maybe thought this was his Oscar movie. You know what I mean? I yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's certainly. I I think that it's. I think that the death of his father put Fincher in a more sentimental place, mm-hmm. and I think a for David Fincher directing a movie that's kind of a meditation on life and the time you have and being able to let go of people at a certain point. All of that makes perfect sense as as a you know creative human being trying to process some complicated emotions through his art yeah unfortunately the result of that is the curious case of benjamin button <laughs> but the only reason i said it is that if you cast your memory back um forrest gump picked up best picture at the academy Awards. oh like yeah oh so, of like, course. so there's just yeah, a part yeah, of yeah. me that kind of feels at the same time as well where we're like yeah well this is my I've done my Zodiac movie, which is clearly the most Fincher movie that ever Finchered, and now, yeah, I'll do my do a little bit, and I, I don't dispute that. Like r- rumor, rumor and legend has it that um, when Fincher read the script for this, he welled up. Yeah, which is just not something I imagine. I don't imagine Fincher has tear ducts, um, but apparently he, he did when he read it. It like got to him, and that would make sense if it, you know, he read it in or around the time of his father kind of passing on but there, there is also a part of me that feels like and it, like even even down to like you tell me how many studios that are not amazon or netflix nowadays allow a filmmaker to make a almost three-hour movie about a man aging backwards starring brad pitt i don't think right, you get this movie yeah. in 2021 even like covid like not even being oh. a, a topic i don't think you get a movie like this not in the theaters, no. no. You're, you're right. I think I think this is a Amazon slash Netflix kind of kind of film, or yeah. HBO, or somebody like that uh, would be like a mini series or something it. where every episode covers a different part in history. With oh, him. now you're talking a six episode limited series. Yeah, yeah, because that, that's All what right. I, I kept thinking about when I was watching it. Is that and once again, I don't want to jump too much into it, but we we spend it is. It, it, like the the transition through different time periods is is one of its detriments i think is you you never spend enough time in any one time period to really get anything out of it other than oh you know he was in love with her but she was seeing someone oh now she's not seeing someone but he's like you know what i mean it's that kind of weird you mean like jenny (laughs) jenny um i'll tell you one thing that's totally the relationship in this movie hundred percent yeah it's just another forrest gump jenny thing (laughs) like there's a i was was talking about this before we hit record and that was checking out uh what famous british uh film critic mark kermode Said about this movie, he was pretty brutal. He, he was not. He was not a big fan. He is a big Fincher fan. He wasn't a fan of this movie. He said that it felt like uh, Forrest Gump 
for people with A levels. A levels are like like higher qualifications. So he's like that. You know, it's like you know, it's Forrest Gump for people with with some smarts. Um, but that was about it. But he was particularly brutal about the Kate Blanchett's character who dances everywhere, including right in front of a taxi. That's very funny. So that's what yeah. happens when you dance, when you're carefree, you dance everywhere, including on a road where there's traffic. You get knocked over by a taxi. Hey, in fairness, Brad Pitt would do the same thing and meet Joe Black. So oh God! This movie is, oh, ugh. yeah. I know. I know. Bo, like, like you. Yeah, I was going to say you need to put a pin. Well, we're getting into this movie. We're we're already talking about it too much. Yeah. And yeah people yeah. have not heard trailers, and we've not got into our critical mode yet. I haven't put on my review cap yet. Have you put on yours? I, no, I don't have a review cap. I have review pants. Well, so that's... I'm not. <laughs> please put them I'm on. not wearing those now either. <laughs> yeah, please put them on. Uh, right, to critique your pick. <laughs> You're going to hear the trailer for the curious case of Benjamin Button, which FYI is three hours long. That's the trailer, not the movie. Um, so... <laughs> uh, Mama always said yep, this episode like a box is of chocolates. <laughs> Mama always said life is like a clock that goes backwards. <laughs> we need to do this, right? We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be discussing the movie right after this. You never know what's coming for you. My name is Benjamin Button. What in God's name? And I was born under unusual circumstances. Infirmity's not of a newborn, but of a man well in his 80s on his way to the grave. He's died? Of old age. Oh, God in heaven. He looks just like my ex-husband. I didn't know I was a child. I thought I was an old man in the twilight of his life. How old are you? Seven. But I look a lot older. He's seven. <laughs> you are a different child. People aren't going to understand just how different you are. Benjamin. You are looking strikingly youthful. And one afternoon, I met the person who changed my life forever. Are you sick? They said I was gonna die soon, but maybe not. You're odd. What if I told you that I wasn't getting older, but I was getting younger than everybody else? Daisy? It's me, Benjamin. We always said you were different. I think you really are. Everybody feels different about themselves, one way or another. We all going the same way. We're taking different roads to get there, that's all. I want to remember us just as we are now. You're on your own road, Benjamin. What's it like growing younger? I can't really say. I'm always looking out my own eyes. Our lives are defined by opportunities. We are not little children anymore, Benjamin. Even the ones we miss. I was thinking how nothing lasts. What a shame that is. Some things last. Welcome back, ladies and gents. You've just heard 
the trailer for the Curious Case of Benjamin Button from 2008. Directed, of course, by David Fincher. Based on the screenplay by Eric Roth and Robin Schkord, I think I say pronounce that. Based on the short story by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Does it interest me that it was a short story? Kind of, kind of feels like we're overcompensating with a almost three-hour movie, <laughs> but let's let's just take our time here. Um, the movie stars, and it is like this is the very definition of a fucking murderer's row of like incredible actors and actresses because you have them all here. Uh, we have Kate Blanchett, Brad Pitt, uh, Julia Ormond. We have Elias Coteus. Um, we have. Um, Fuck's sake, where do you begin? Uh, Jason Fleming, we have David Jensen, we have uh, Tarajapi Henson, Marisha Ali, fuck's sake, we have Elle Fanning, we and a young role actually, which kind of caught me a bit off guard because once again, forgot she was in this. Janet Harris is in this, Robert Towers is in this one, we mentioned earlier on, but Tilda Swindon is in this movie as well well um, Elias Codius yeah Elias Codius is in this movie he's in almost I think he's in almost all of them um, he plays uh, he plays the guy who makes the clock yeah that who, who is it was it uh, Franklin Roosevelt that, that comes to see the yeah the clock? comes to see the clock which is that once again feels like a very Forrest Gump moment we were trying to ground yeah. it in because like basically the movie's set from the day the, the day the second the first world war finishes up to the point where hurricane katrina arrives so that's right. your that's your time period so the the weirdly once again they weirdly very much like forrest gump ground it in real events before going off into the fantastical um but yeah like but like you would you blink and miss Elias Coteus because he's wearing those like ultra cool Matrix glasses. Um, he'll wear them like that. I want a pair of them. But uh, he, <laughs> I, like it's supposed you to want get... to take the blue pill and time will continue to move forward. If you take the red pill, you'll age backwards. Um, and see, how, see how far chronology goes. The, there's, uh, there is a baby in this one played by a Julie Pitt. Kid, Shahola or Shala or whatever you pronounce him is uh, is one of the babies in this one. So he managed to sneak his kid in there as well. But yeah, it is honestly, we could spend so much time going through the cast list because it is incredible. Everyone is in this movie. Like, that's all you need to know. It's like absolutely everyone has a role in this movie. No one was left out, Bo. Yeah, no, Kurt Russell, I think, uh, appears briefly. As uh, one of the twins, yeah, Kurt Russell is in here boat. as Snape Plissken. Um. <laughs> Man, if only. <laughs> if... Take, taking an old Benjamin Button around to the brothels and whatnot. <laughs> Call me Snake. <laughs> right, let's. The, the synopsis for this one, you probably, I mean, it's a simple synopsis, but then again, it's a simple movie. Uh, it tells the story of Benjamin Button, a man who starts aging backwards with consequences. Um, I don't know if those consequences are actually there. <laughs> Is there yeah, it's just, yeah, you know, he has to make some choices based on that, but mm -hmm. 
I guess there are consequences too. Yeah, but then it goes back and slips through again. So I don't know if that. Every time it tries to do something that undermines it, we're going to get to it. Um, so yeah, the, the whole setup of this is that. I, I suppose we'll, we'll come back to the very beginning of the movie, which I love as a little standalone. In fact, this movie has, I think it's two or three kind of standalone st stories that feel different from the main story, the way they're told, that I find hugely interesting. Um, and I wish the whole movie had been like that, uh, but we don't get that. Um, but yeah, so the the movie starts um, primarily in the kind of modern times when Hurricane Katrina is about to hit. We're in a hospital, an old woman's on her deathbed, her daughter is there, who's played by the incredibly talented Julia Ormond, who does next to nothing in this movie, out with reads from a book. Um, I was like, she's better than this. Why? Do but then, well, it's okay. Um, but yeah, so she is. She's at her mother's deathbed, and her mother asks her to read from a book. And we find that the book is actually the diary or story of someone called Benjamin Button, a man that she met many years ago. Uh, and then we're we're kind of zapped into the story, which is a baby that is born as an old man, but in baby size um for obvious fucking reasons <laughs> jesus Dude, christ it, no wonder his father tries to throw this kid out <laughs> it's it's fucking hideous it's like if you've ever seen harry potter um any of the harry potter movies the first time you actually see the kind of decayed slug baby version of lord voldemort it's oh, kind of like that you... I thought you were going to say Dobby the house because there's <laughs> a, a little bit of that. It's a Brundle Fly here. version of that. Um, Dude, it, I'll all right. I, I just blocked this nightmare fuel out. <laughs> but the first time that they throw back the, the swaddling on this baby to let you get a good look at this little old man baby... <laughs> I was like, you're right. You need to kill that thing with fire. fire. That thing does not. That does not deserve to live on this earth. Need to nuke it um, from orbit, but it's only way to be safe. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, right. They can bill me, Duncan. I'll, all right. I'll, I'll I'll go you one better though. Yep. In, in addition to the opening where Kate Blanchett is an old woman is like, how about you open up that book? <laughs> Aside from that, like once you get to that and you get the Elias Codius backstory, which is amazing, to me, that is the the only part of this movie that I really want to see again because I, I, it, it's yeah, I'm, right. It, it's really interesting because the whole story, uh, you know, spoilers for the curious case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> um, the whole story is there's this blind clockmaker who is the best clockmaker in the whole world. Yes. And his, he's uh, he's got a wife and he's got a child and his son goes off to war in World War One. Yes. And there, like many people did, because it's World War One, his son comes back dead. So Elias Codius makes a clock for this new train station. And when the the president of the United States shows up <laughs> to. To, to see this, you know, clock made by this master clockmaker. They turn it on and he starts going backwards. And Elias Codius says, I'm sorry if this isn't what you expected, but I wanted to 
make something that would make time go backwards so that maybe our children would come home. And that, to me, I was like, oh, like, as an open end to a movie, it's fucking great. Terrific, yeah. And and so at the moment, the, the implication is, at the moment that this clock starts turning backwards, Benjamin Button is born. Yes, yes. And he... <laughs> And that's where you get this disgusting little <laughs> wrinkled beef jerky of a baby. <laughs> Which, like you say, like, like basically you have uh, Jason Fleming plays his dad, Thomas Button, and um, like the, the mother dies in childbirth. And he does look down, and he's just like, ugh. Uh, so they, yeah, well, <laughs> well, the mother, too, Duncan, the mother's like, don't kill this horrified baby. <laughs> and Jason Fleming is the, the father is like, you got it. There is no way I'm killing this baby. So he's, hey, he's let me take a look at behind his back. Well, he hasn't seen it yet. He doesn't know what he's dealing with. He's making a bunch of promises. His, his ass can't cash, you know? And so he, like, as soon as he sees this baby, you're right. He's just like, uh, he no. is literally, uh, uh. Yeah, it, it, like it's one of those, like, God in heaven. You know, one of those. <laughs> grabs which is it, grabs it, like, for... <laughs> grabs it like an American football, like does a couple of feints, and then runs out the door with this baby to try and punt it in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like, it gets cold feet at the last minute uh, <laughs> instead of drowning this baby as he should have. <laughs> uh, instead, he, like, sees Mahershal Ali and, and Taraji P. Uh, Henson yeah. flirting on, on the porch mm -hmm. and he just is like well how about i just shove a couple of bucks in this baby's pocket <laughs> 18 leave it yeah leave it on the steps so whatever happens happens mm -hmm. and 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 so that's what happens that's how benjamin button ends up baby old man baby benjamin button ends up with taraji p henson who plays queenie yeah. in in the movie and who runs an uh, old folks home runs an old folks home which is convenient yep <laughs> because uh, she announces to everybody at this old folks home like hey I got this gross looking baby yeah. and the doctor says that it probably won't live actually what he said was it shouldn't live but <laughs> that, was after, try to... that was after like a whole three minutes of him trying to claw at his eyes <laughs> right where, where we're going we don't need eyes to see <laughs> This it, truly, this is a baby that comes back on the event horizon. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those scenes, like when it shows you your nightmares. This is one of the things it shows you. Yeah, Liberate <laughs> X Benjamin Button. It's <laughs> 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 so creepy. And the thing is, like for the first, like for the first what forty five minutes of this movie, the the evolution of this wrinkly baby just gets more terrifying. Yeah, because <laughs> it I'll starts the, to walk. Yeah, the worst part. So they they take uh, Queenie wants to have a baby of her own. Yeah, which does happen, and it doesn't matter. Well, no, it doesn't um, matter because you never is the kid in it once, maybe at the end, a couple just, of times. Yeah. Not even at the end, it, like a, a couple of times, there's there's a vague implication that hey, Benjamin Button feels this jealousy, 
because yeah. Queenie's having a baby of her own, but also Queenie never shows any favor to this other child no. and just does nothing but love Benjamin Button, despite the fact that he's a hideous monster. <laughs> but but to get him to walk, Queenie takes him to a revival preacher. Yeah. And who is a fucking heart attack? <laughs> Yeah, cursed, who, who, God curses. God strikes him down because he uses his powers incorrectly. <laughs> because he tries to help this horrible <laughs> devil child <laughs> that is an affront to God's own eyes. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, my like, favorite tells, review ever. <laughs> tells Benjamin Button like, "Hey, you can walk. Get out of that chair." And and so this creepy little shriveled old man kid oh, God. <laughs> falls out of the, the wheelchair that he's in and finally gets around to walking. And then the next time you see him after after this preacher is struck dead by God for interfering. So that's why Benjamin Button's father gets cancer. It's I told you to destroy this child. Um but yeah, then the next time you see him. He's crawling around like some old man spider with yeah. these walk, uh, walking sticks. And if you saw that thing coming at you at night, it's like the fucking taking of Deborah Logan. It's like a cross between the taking of Deborah Logan and that creature that appears at the beginning of Extro. <laughs> like, like yeah, right. Backwards into the bushes and you're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and so but the, along the way Duncan, yes there the thing that the the movie is ultimately trying to do like i said the whole thing is this meditation on death and the time we have yeah. and being able to sort of appreciate the moments but also understand that part of life is letting people go when it when they pass yes and so so being surrounded by old people again in the Eric Roth Forrest Gumpian manner mm -hmm. the the fact that Benjamin Button as this creepy little shriveled old baby is surrounded by old people who treat him like a fellow old person yeah and and kind of impart these you know life lessons that they have learned over time the best one of whom is the dude who keeps getting struck by lightning oh he's amazing which <laughs> Which is a nice Fincher touch of doing the cutaway and doing the old like crank real, real film style mm. where, you know, he's struck by lightning in his car and walking to the mailbox and all kinds of stuff. That's really funny. But the rest of it is just old people like teaching him how to play piano mm. and, and um, you know, uh, Mr. Wallace has played, is that his name? the the uh marshall ali's character a hey, tizzy um yeah but he calls him mr something anyway yeah we'll, we'll call uh, him marcellus wallace is what we're calling him, marcel marcellus wallace yeah does he look He's, like a bitch bro does he look like a bitch then why are you trying to fuck him like a bitch you know benjamin you might get a little scratch at the back of your neck <laughs> that's just age fucking with you <laughs> age never helped anybody it only hurts <laughs> so our crossover movie so much better than this one. Uh, Tizzy, Tizzy's a fan of Shakespeare. Yes, so. and and he's an actor. And the thing that we learn again in a very 
Gumpian way is that all of these people have these rich lives and interests and they all have these little things that make them kind of special and and exceptional and you know it's benjamin button learning as he goes from being this shriveled old man to just being an old man yeah where he's he kind of looks at these people as a as a family but is also constantly surrounded by death in fact there's a line that's like you know death was a constant presence in this house mm -hmm. Because you would, there would be one day where there, you know, this woman is teaching you piano, or I think it's the opera singer that the opera he singer, first yeah. talks about, who's this woman who had once performed on great stages and was this incredible opera singer. And during the afternoon, she would put on uh, records and sing opera. And then one day she's just gone. Mm. And, and so the movie kind of begins that way with the the notion of death being a constant presence in your life and that benjamin button as a character aging backwards has th this ability to kind of appreciate life from the other side where he starts off incredibly frail and weak and and you know cataracts on his eyes mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and as he starts aging he becomes healthier and and more vibrant and all that stuff um and it's probably at this point we should talk about the introduction <laughs> of the kate blanchett character of daisy originally because it's the, by l fanning right because well, let's get this creepy shit right well this is this is the bit this was the first like cause i once again, I saw it when the movie roughly in or around when the movie came out. So I'd obviously scratched. Either did not pick up on how creepy this is, or I had scratched this from my mind in a way where my brain was trying to protect me. You know, it was just building a wall. <laughs> I'm going to put this in my mind palace, um, you know, like away from the rest of my my brain. But I had forgotten. A, a huge deal. I like my recollection was that he met. Kate Blanchett when she was already kind of grown up so the two of them met at that point but then which to me like it makes more sense this way but it's just fucking horrifically creepy like she is a small girl he is technically in or around the same age as her but has the body of an old man and yeah of like a 75 year old man <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um, they obviously hit it off that's right, a sentence I didn't want to have to say, but they obviously hit it off and they start like a friendship, which at first the grandmother um, kind of fosters that friendship. So when she's reading a story, they're both sitting together and all the rest. But then they like start, I think it's the first time where it's like they, they decide to go down underneath a table, put a blanket over um, and have like a heart to heart and, and like a conversation and all the rest. And the grandmother catches them and then rightly is outraged and sends the granddaughter upstairs and then at the same time fucking chews out Benjamin Button for being creepy, weird, and this is totally unacceptable. And I was like, yes, this is totally fucking unacceptable. What the fuck are we doing here? He's an old man! Right. I like. I know that we as the audience understand that he is a child in an old man body, but you're right, she is 100% in the right Yes. to demand that this stop at once. And it's really creepy, made more so by the fact that 
they ADR Kate Blanchett's voice yes. into this young girl, which is also really unsettling. Yes. <laughs> and so that freaked me out. And then all of a sudden they're under a table. Yep. And dude, all right. First, first things fucking first as Ian McShane would say. <laughs> The fact that this, you know, what, nine-year-old girl, ten-year-old girl is going to wake up this old man to play? Yes. Never going to happen. No. Uh, then uh, when he's, like, climbing under the table with her, I, like I said, I understand that we as the audience understand that he is not a, a skeevy grown-up man. Yeah. But also... Within the context of the film, <laughs> everyone else would assume he is a skeevy old man pervert. Which a is sex what the pest, if this you is will. Basically what the grandmother thinks. Right. Anybody would. Yes. And and tells her, you ought to be ashamed of yourself and all that. And you're like, right, you should be. <laughs> you tell him, Grandma. I'm on, yeah, I'm on her side. When she died, it was the real tragedy of the movie. <laughs> like the, the, the guardian, the protector was gone. Right, now Kate Blanchett's just left to go to her own devices and we see how all that works out for her. Not well. She's not, not well an, at all, She's Buckman. really a, a, an unlikable character in this movie. <laughs> she, uh, let's, let's, just yeah. get, let's just get out of the way. She is a unlikable character. And almost yeah. every scene in this, she is unlikable. Even when she's fucking injured, she's unlikable. Well, and even at the like the book ending scenes or the 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 scenes that take place in the present day, yeah, when she's this old woman telling Julia Ormond, you know, this having her this, read this, this story, this is how she tells her, <laughs> yeah, that her father was a creepy old man that he aged backwards. <laughs> Like, what? What? Like, this is how you tell me? And Kate Blanchard's just like, well, I just don't have the strength to tell you all about myself. I mean, there's a, there's a great way. There's a great way to to break that sort of news, and that is on your deathbed, where you're about to be taken away with no accountability. Look, yeah, I've got a list of shit that I'm gonna spout off right before I die. Either that, or I'm taking it to the grave. But I, I got a few things that I'm gonna announce just right before I check out. Yeah, it's, it's not last. It's last rites and home truths with Bull though. Yeah, it, like if I get a terminal illness, the upside of that is going to be all the filthy shit I say. Yeah, on the back end of it, of like, I'm, I'm all gonna right, go old well, school. I'm just gonna do one of those videos. You know, I used to see in those murder mystery movies where like, ah, if you spend a night in my creepy mansion, you get like, but one of those like videos where I come in, but it's just me just talking about the horrible shit I've done. I, um, I don't so. know if I've said this to you before, Duncan, but in that vein, I fully intend to leave one of those like video scavenger hunts <laughs> behind that has no real destination there's no like pot of gold at the end of that rainbow or anything i just want to send a bunch of knuckleheads on a goose chase for oh money. you pay, you pay someone to play the role of the lawyer as well saying that you know mr ransdell uh was in possession of quite a, a large fortune <laughs> and he's left this yeah. video because <laughs> yeah, legally absolutely. a lawyer can't say that but like a paid actor can both yeah, I want like I want a Brewster's millions it, but just <laughs> but just a total lie. <laughs> uh, 
and if I can work out a way where I say something and then somebody in the audience of the video is like, is he crazy? Yep. And then on the video, I say, no, I'm not crazy. <laughs> if you can time the just... <laughs> Uh-huh. It's like when I played, uh, remember Atmosphere, the, the VHS uh, horror board game. One of the early ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, yeah. I, I, I am the gatekeeper! And um, I, like, I remember when I got that. I got it for my birthday. Uh, the year it came out and I'd like I couldn't wait to get my friends round and we were all sitting around it the old VHS player put in and then he, he, like, like I was the person who he chose at the beginning like from the role and he was like that eh, what is your name and I'm like eh, it's Duncan McLeish and he's like oh I'm sorry I, I, I guess I missed your middle name and I remember looking at my friends going he knows I've got a fucking middle name how did <laughs> Oh fucking witchcraft is this obviously not understanding that you know that happens regardless who's playing it um right oh. it's it's the renapal thing where oh god yeah it just slowly <laughs> becomes more invasive <laughs> i don't know it's blew my mind but um yeah like like she is like uh we're gonna get into it more as we meet her throughout this dotted throughout this story but she really is an. Un- I think that's like once again that is another big issue for me about this movie is who are we actually supposed to root for in this movie? I mean, Benjamin, Benjamin Button, Button for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, despite the fact that he starts off as this skeezy old man, <laughs> <laughs> he he ages into super handsome Brad, uh, Brad Pitt. Oh god, yeah, just in time to be able ju- just uh, just in time for like the the sixties to swing around and uh, all that high fashion's there, and he's looking like a fucking badass. He's looking like a movie Dude, when, star. You know what I mean? When you see him on that motorcycle, oh I know, and you're just like, God damn, Brad Pitt, <laughs> what a good looking man you are. I. I, fingers crossed he has a small dick that's all I can hope for <laughs> I don't think Angelina Jolie would go for a small penis man I think she they liked... did divorce yeah but they were together for like forever <laughs> that's cause he had toys Duncan <laughs> he had AIDS with him uh, you know like all those things that make make the the, 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 the journey to pleasure more pleasurable but, um, sure yeah he's I'm really good in this guy. I'm not afraid of it He's really good. He, like, he, Brad has, Pitt is totally fine. Yeah, yeah, his accent in particular, I would not usually. And once again, this is speaking as a complete foreigner um, who has who has Norlands on his bucket list, but has never been yet. But like the even when he was talking in certain parts of the movie, I was waiting to hear. I was waiting to hear the slip because there is like specific words and phrases that people from New Orleans say that are very distinct to that part of the world. And he was nailing them. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's more the slowness in the way he speaks uh, maybe aids that a little bit. Um, or maybe that's just how slow they speak there. But it's very... It's one of the reasons the movie's three hours long is everyone talks so fucking slow in this movie apart from Kate Blanchett who talks a mile a minute yeah it's the uh, it's the reason that that Barack Obama audiobook <laughs> read by him is 14 hours long <laughs> a, lot, a lot of pauses and you, you, can, you can't you can't actually you can't see because it it's an audiobook format but you can visibly like 
imagine the head turning around and the hand moving to the next person who's yeah. there to speak to. Yeah, I've got you. I've got you. Um, so yeah, like we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back to Daisy as a character, but our introduction to her is weird. The whole setup is fucking weird. And then it is pretty much just put out there that, you know, um, Benjamin grows up a bit more. And meanwhile, in the background... Thomas Button, as played by Jason Fleming, an actor who I genuinely adore, I think he's a brilliant actor, um, is kind of creepily, <laughs> he's always in the background, like just he's always in the car kind of looking out and all the rest um, because of like curiosity, maybe, uh, I, don't, <laughs> like, I don't know, like if I was dropping off that wrinkly abomination on a step, I would never look back though. You never look back. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the, the fact that he comes back like, you're done, you're out. What are you doing? But it, and but it's only by chance that he runs into him in a brothel thanks to Jared Harris. Yes, well, let's 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 move on to this then. So, like, we, like, skipping forward a little bit, uh, Benjamin Button is now, what, he's in his teens, but he is, like, realistically, he's like a 70-year-old man. Um, and he, um, he, he befriends... Uh, well, he doesn't even just befriend. He goes to work on his ship, um, a, a tug ship, a tugboat, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. And like, it, a, it, uh, like a salvage ship. Yeah, salvage ship. And it, his captain is one Jared Harris, which very much like yourself, Bo, I had forgotten he was in this movie. And as soon as I was like, is that Jared fucking... Ah, oh, right, we're fine. We're fine. And he's, he's pure Irish. And like within... Like five minutes of talking to this creepy, weird child, old man. He's basically asking him if he's been laid, confirming he's not been laid, and taking him to a brothel to get laid. Dude, how- I love it when he's just like, "Are you here to tell me that you've never been laid?" <laughs> oh, it's the best. And and so, <laughs> it, it, all right. Here's the thing that pisses me off. Go for it. In this movie, is Jared Harris has this thing where he talks about a hummingbird. Yes, he does. Yes, he does, Bo. And, um, and we don't we don't fast... ever come back to it again. It's just a throwaway line, <laughs> dude. Look, I don't mind go- the return. The thing that pisses me off, and I don't, I just can't quite connect the dots on it, is when. All right, so the, the, the story second of return, Harris. which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, it's the second return of the hummingbird. The first time, I'm like, okay, that's kind of nice. Yeah, because he's and he's when, died, and that's a character that you know Benjamin Button knew. But why would right. the hummingbird show up at the end of the movie for Daisy? Daisy I, never knew Jared Harris and only knows that story via the book. So it it makes no no sense. sense. <laughs> you know, it's it's it, like it's, it's the kind of thing. To the point of the critic that you were talking about, yeah. it's the kind of thing that seems really smart to dumb people. Yeah. Yes, agreed. But, 100%. But as, as soon as you scratch at it a little bit, you're yeah. like, but why him? Or why her? Why does it show up there? I know there's a hurricane, but it so what? No sense. Makes, it makes no yeah. sense. It's also it's also one of those things where cynically I was sitting there thinking, did like we have like, I don't know, like an extra $50 in the, the VFX budget and they're like, well, we could use this hummingbird loop again it's like yeah it just feels but then we said the same about for all the credit we give david fincher specifically about how smart he is i think like we talked about it with the game specifically with the game the game at the very end tries to be a very clever movie with its reveal but then when you start to think about some of the things that happened in the movie it doesn't make any fucking sense 
like at all. Yeah. Like, why did yeah, he yeah, like? Yeah. Did we have? We said it before. Did we have like a scenario if he jumped off the other side of the roof? You know, like all yeah, those. Right. And it, it's the same here where I think it's put in there very much like you said. But like, I think it's people will be like, oh, it's a callback to that thing before. But when you like look at it within the confine of the character it's happening to, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's a cutesy moment yeah. thrown in there for no other reason than a cynical reason, and I don't like that. Well, and I have the same problem with the floodwaters coming in at the very end to the clock. Yeah. Where I'm like, I don't know what this is supposed to mean. Yeah. Like, that clock... It's already stopped, and now it's starting again. Is there going to be another Benjamin Button? Is he going to be resurrected from the grave? (laughs) Right. It truly will be a planet of the Benjamin Buttons. (laughs) Yeah. I I I just don't understand. I don't understand why this stuff keeps repeating. But all right, so Jared Harris takes him to uh, a brothel. Yeah. Where it turns out Benjamin Button, surprise, surprise, likes sex. Yeah, who would have guessed that? <laughs> right. So he gets it wet, and on his way out, this creepy old man is just like, are y'all open every day? Can I come back any old He time? literally asks her if she's going to be there tomorrow, and the woman says, I work every day apart from Sunday, and he's like, oh. Yeah, because of Jesus? Is that why you don't <laughs> fuck that day? <laughs> and on his way out, uh, his, his father, yes. who had abandoned him years before sees him on the way out and it's just like hey my name is Bill well Button he offers to give him a, a lift home and yeah. then when he gets him in the car then offers to take him out for a drink and this is a complete fucking stranger and I'm like mm, <laughs> what we're doing yeah. here um, it's the, the old man equivalent of would you like some candy little boy yeah. <laughs> and they go out for sarsaparilla and brandy which is a weird concoction oh no it's uh, I thought he had Sazerac. I thought that's Sazerac. Sorry, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Sazer- what is Sazerac? I think it is a brandy. Is it a brandy? Well, there we go. <laughs> so they go out for brandy. Let me here. I'll do some real time fact checking. Sazerac uh, is yes, it is in fact a uh, a brandy. It's also a very fun word to say. Uh huh. Yeah, Sazerac is pretty good, and it, it it's a whiskey cocktail originally from New Orleans. Well, so. there we go. So it all makes yeah. sense. Sazerac is a, like an appropriate word to shout out when you orgasm. Uh, it's also a Power <laughs> Rangers villain. <laughs> we'll get you, Sazerac. It's also uh, Harry Houdini's safe word if you can't get the <laughs> if you can't get the straight jacket off before he falls into the spikes. Sazerac, Sazerac, <laughs> goddamn it! <laughs> I do like the orgasm. Sazerac! It's... Yeah, it's it's a good word. Uh, yeah, so they, they go for, for drinks, and they, they basically they just... He doesn't reveal that he's his father, but shows an interest in his life, and, you know, basically how he's getting on, and we get this reveal that Thomas Button is a man who makes buttons and has a button factory, and I'm like, oh, right. Cool. Uh, which P- yeah. plays no real part in the movie either. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, because as soon as the, his father spoilers, his father kicks off because of cancer. Yeah, and they have they kind of reconcile to some degree. Do they? I mean, eh, I, I mean, I mean, ish. An, enough for him to take him to see a sunset before he dies. But I don't know if that's necessarily. Like, this is this is the problem. With the, this is the problem 
with a movie that is three hours long that we spend no more than five minutes in any particular time. Like, we don't get... There's not enough to hook into. There's not enough emotional connection to fucking anything or anyone. Because we spend wasn't no entire... real time. So he just sells the business, right? Well, at he doesn't, he doesn't point, sell it until much later on. So he's in charge yeah. of it. He sells it right at the end before he goes to live in India and become a monk or whatever. I don't know. Um, he doesn't do that to... Like, basically when he abandons his wife and child. Uh, or his, his, his lover and child. Um, that's at the point where he says, I sold off the beach house. I sold off the... Sorry, the lake house. I sold off the the button factory business um, he sold all that to basically leave them with money and to be well looked after which by the way when we see them later on that money was pissed up a wall because <laughs> they got nothing they've got nothing left the... fuck knows yeah. what she's done with that money she's had it she's a good time bo. but you know what I mean it's just it's so but like so yeah so he's in charge of his button factory for what we can only imagine is like a decade we never visit it again it's never mentioned again so what's the point yeah of and he gets this house but you don't see any of that until he's selling everything off yeah why are they living in this shitty little apartment if they have this beautiful like lake house i don't like it's a, like, you yeah know what i mean because he, he obviously he inherits the when when queenie dies which we're, we're jumping about the place but what for, for the sake of this conversation when queenie dies they sell off the old folks home to become essentially a house um and he like but then he's like that so then we had to like like move into this flat and we didn't have any furniture and it's just a mattress on the ground i'm like yeah but you've got the button factory which means you've got money because your dad was loaded and you've got the giant lake house so why are we living in this I, I just it confused me (laughs) what we did here why are we slumming it when we've got this big fucking massive house with the help yeah, yeah, I've got, right, I've got the button fortune at my back. Yeah. Why, you could live a life of luxury. Who cares? Who gives a fuck you're aging backwards? Like, go do whatever <laughs> the hell you want to do, you know? And honestly, look, money affords you a lot of things, Duncan. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a healthy amount of fuck you money. Yeah. And so when he shows up in, like, after he finds out that his father is rich and then he dies, that's when he goes to New York to visit... Kate Blanchett again. Yeah, so like, so like, we'll reverse a little bit and then lead back into this. So, as part of his time with Jared Harris, the the Lansom contract, which takes him like basically all over, and we're getting this interspersed with um, Julia Ormond's character reading out to our, our like near death mother. Um, but we're getting like, oh, look at these postcards. So he was he was in Europe and he was in you know. Africa and he was like all these things but we once again it's just like these and he did this and he did this and he did this and then we end up in Russia which is where he meets Tilda Swinton's character right and Tilda Swinton plays this I mean a kind of well to do affluent English woman who is like she's a really good character in this I really like it and I love the the connection back to her later on in the movie is how you write an arc that doesn't involve a hummingbird arriving for no reason um so like like I I liked her character so basically they meet in this hotel um and in the kind of kind of 
kitchen area one night because neither can sleep and they strike up this conversation and uh, Brad Pitt's still relatively old looking at this point but he's getting younger um, and they kind of connect so much so that Benjamin writes to Daisy who's learning to be a, a dancer and you know, a ballet dancer in uh, New York that he's met someone and he's fallen in love so he's fallen in love with Tilda Swin who basically tells him that they can have an affair, but it can only happen at night time. Um, they can never make eye contact during the day. They can never say that they love each other. She puts out all the rules. Um, I love this scene as well, because they're outside in the snow in Russia, and she is wrapped up in this giant fucking fur coat. And then the camera pans around, and Brad Pitt's like fucking shivering like a motherfucker. It's like all rattling with his, like, his old man bones. Um, <laughs> yeah, and she asks him, are you cold? He's like, yes! <laughs> like, she's like, oh, I didn't even think with all these furs. Um, but yeah, like the uh, we got a story about Tilda Swindon. Once again, it links back into this um, kind of seizing the day, making the most of your life, time, etc. Where she mentions this particular story about um, when she was a bit younger, she decided she was going to be the first woman to to swim the English Channel for those in America that don't know what the English Channel is is essentially the body of water between England and France it's what the tunnel the, the Euro Tunnel goes under uh, if you want to get the train that connects uh, both countries mm-hmm. so basically she wants to she wants to swim this and she basically picks the worst time to do it and deals with it under what can only be described as some of the, the worst circumstances ever. She's swimming for 36 hours straight. That's when the rain comes on. The wind is that bad for every one stroke forward she's getting pushed to back, which, like, if you're doing the quick math on that one, meant that she was probably on land. Um, but I'm not going to pick too much into the the, the, the Swindon story. Uh, but yeah, she's like literally two miles from the end and her body gives up, up on her. And for reasons that she can't quite tell, she decides that she doesn't want to do it anymore. And when she's interviewed about it, she, when they ask her, you know, are you going to try it again? She says yes. And then the, what she says is she doesn't know why she didn't do it. And it's kind of affected her life since then, she just kind of gave up trying to do things, and she's yeah. kind of rested into the life that she has now. And that's the pin on that one. Um, and then the Second World War starts. Jared Harris obviously gets called up because that's the guy I'd want on my team. Um, and using his fucking salvage boat, he single-handedly, yes, he single-handedly takes down a fucking sub destroys Das Boot. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I, mean? I always wanted to see Montana. <laughs> he totally fucking takes out, dies in the process, and Benjamin Button sent back. Um, that's where and makes. that's where you get the hummingbird is, is because of this tattoo that he had in this fixation that he has on hummingbirds. Yeah, basically uh, their wings you... flat, flat at 1,200 RPM and what it looks like, Bo, that when it's slowed down slow motion, that the rings fly in a figure of eight, which on its side means... Infinity. infinity. Yeah, so... Yeah. And, and when he... Like, they're being rescued, Benjamin Button and the survivors of, of this, you know, tugboat are being rescued he sees a hummingbird and he comments about how, you know, I'd never seen a hummingbird that far away from shore before. Yeah. And the implication is that like, this is sort of a reincarnation kind of thing yeah. or, or a, a spirit guide or something to take 
Jared Harris on to the, because the next Because it play. was his spirit animal connected to yeah. him and totally of merit in this part of the story, not fucking later on. Um, but yeah, like he, he goes back to 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 see uh, Queenie and yeah, you're right, the daughter's a bit grown up by this point and like she's cast aside pretty quick in favour of... Uh, Benjamin, who then reconciles with his dad, who then dies, and then he takes the fuck you money that we're talking about, goes to New York, because he, he connects with... This is why I don't like Daisy as a character. This is why I do not like Kate Blanchett's character. The She arrives at the, the home for no real reason at all, because her mother died a while ago. Um, <laughs> she's just in the neighbourhood, maybe, from New York. She just decides to visit the old folks' home. Um, and Benjamin's there, and they kind of reconnect to go out for dinner and all she does is talk which is fine um because benjamin button takes about a year to get a sentence out um and all she does is talk and all she does is fucking dance like everywhere her legs fucking flying about the place and she's very promiscuous and all the rest but then she just fucks off and i'm like right so this is her finding out that benjamin didn't go any further with that relationship. She's single, he's single, but it's not like two ships passing in the night. Like, she shows no real interest here. Well, but also, he looks like he's in his <laughs> late 40s to 50s, and she's like 22. Yeah, but like, if, so, I was, if I was mm, her, I'd be thinking, wait one second, he's getting younger. Like, she acts later on as if this is... Oh, I can't believe how young you look. Every time you've met him, he's he's looked from, like considerably younger. That's this we're, again. We're, That's the curse here. That's what we're doing in this movie. I know, but Julia Ormond asks her, like, <laughs> well, you, oh, you you just threw him aside like an old tampon? Yeah. And she's like, I was so young. <laughs> and it's like, well, I guess I get that. I mean, young people do stupid shit. And, and, yeah. and also she's this young vibrant dancer there's this dude that's clearly you know her her current lover mm -hmm. and that we meet later on so yeah he goes yeah. up to new york to see her and go to see her dance and when he arrives there she is dating a dancer so once again bo it's like ships passing in the night oh could they can these young lovers ever get together this is the most tragic love story ever um and then we get in connection to the first scene that we're talking about with the clock, we get a scene that I find really interesting in the movie, which is basically about fate, which is the setup to Daisy being knocked over by the taxi. And it's a story told out of, you know, this woman who, you know, tries to get a cab. But do you want it? I've got it right here. Yeah, do, yeah go for it. Okay, so he says, sometimes we're on a collision course and we just don't know it. Whether it's by accident or by design, there's not a thing we can do about it. A woman in Paris was on her way to go shopping, but she had forgotten her coat, went back to get it. When she had gotten her coat, the phone had rung, so she stopped to answer it, talked for a couple of minutes. While the woman was on the phone, Daisy was rehearsing for a performance at the Paris Opera House. And while she was, while she was rehearsing, the woman, off the phone now, had gone outside to get a taxi. Now, a taxi driver had dropped off a fare earlier and had stopped to get a cup of coffee, and all the while Daisy was rehearsing. And this cab driver, who dropped off the earlier fare, who'd stopped to get the cup of coffee, had picked up the lady who was going to go shopping and had missed getting an earlier cab. The taxi had to stop for a man crossing the street who had left for work five minutes later than he normally did because he forgot to set off his alarm. While that man, late for work, was crossing the street, Daisy had finished rehearsing and was taking a shower. 
and while Daisy was showering, the taxi was waiting outside a boutique for the woman to pick up a package, which hadn't been wrapped yet because the girl who was supposed to wrap it had broken up with her boyfriend the night before and forgot. When the package was wrapped, the woman, who was back in the cab, was blocked by a delivery truck, and all the while, Daisy was getting dressed. The delivery truck pulled away and the taxi was able to move, while Daisy, the last to be dressed, waited for one of her friends who had broken a shoelace. While the taxi was stopped, waiting for a traffic light, Daisy and her friend came out of the back of the theater, and if only one thing had happened differently, if that shoelace hadn't broken, or that delivery truck had moved moments earlier, or that package had been wrapped and ready because the girl hadn't broken up with her boyfriend, or that man had set his alarm and got up five minutes earlier, or that taxi hadn't stopped for a cup of coffee, or that woman had remembered her coat and gotten to an earlier cab, Daisy and her friend would have crossed the street and that taxi would have driven by. But life being what it is, a series of intersecting lives and incidents out of anyone's control, that taxi did not go by and that driver was momentarily distracted and that taxi hit Daisy and her leg was crushed and all of this sounds like the beginning of Magnolia. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to... And the back of my head, I was thinking John dies at the end. That's the exit, slayed me. <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's it a is. cool, it's a cool scene, but it's one of those things where, like, as a standalone scene, I find it really interesting. But and we don't use that technique again anywhere in the movie, and it's a, a very long way of saying, like, Daisy gets hit with a taxi. Right, shit happens. Fate, fate is capricious and mercurial, yes. and yeah, and it, it, you're right. It's a cool moment in the movie, but you know, this is going to be an echo of of what I say about this throughout. Yeah, which is, it just doesn't hang together as a movie. Yeah, you know that scene is very cool. The story with Elias Codius and his son is very cool yes jared harris as the tugboat captain is very cool mm -hmm. you know this story about tilda swinton being the the swimmer and like later on in the movie we see her as an old woman having crossed the channel she swims it later on and it's yeah. on a tv screen in the background we see her being interviewed because she has done it and i love that because we get payoff to her character a character that we only had what five minutes with if that yeah. Well, I, I think we get a little more with her. Uh, it, it feels that way, at least. But then again, maybe I was just tired. Um, <laughs> but, like, that is a really nice moment where yeah. you're like, oh, you know. And there's, it, like, when you get to the end of, of the film, and if I can give a little bit more of a quote, not nearly as long this time. Mm -hmm. When, it, like, the whole theme of it is about how everyone like like i said it's everyone has their thing and you have to appreciate that because time is fleeting and and that kind of thing and it's when he says you know some people were born to sit by a river some get struck by lightning some have an ear for music some are artists some swim some no some no buttons some no shakespeare some are mothers and some people dance yeah and you know it is this grand kind of sweeping romantic idea that everyone you know that we contain multitudes and if you sit and listen to someone long enough you'll find that they have these rich interior lives especially as they get older and they look back and they're, they're able to sort of identify these moments out of their life that you know another line again this is so eric roth it just makes me want to throw up um 
where he says our lives are defined by opportunities even the ones we miss and it's it's the all these little like kernels of wisdom sprinkled out but at the end of the day i just want this to be a story about a man growing backwards learning those lessons but also make the love story something you can get behind and that's the biggest problem with this movie is that the the comp the the thread that runs through it is the love story between benjamin and daisy and as you pointed out daisy is a really unlikable character mm -hmm. when when she gets hit by this uh this car this taxi and ends up in the hospital benjamin button drops everything he goes to paris to take care of and the first thing she does is like, get out of here. <laughs> Nobody wants you here, Benjamin. Don't you understand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the curious case of Harry and the Hendersons all of a sudden. <laughs> and it's, it's a really big bummer because he's just like, all right, I guess I'm going to go fuck some of these other women for a little while until you decide to come around, I guess. And that's what happens. Like he just goes off and does his own thing for a little bit, and then one day, Jenny shows up at the doorstep. And, yeah, <laughs> and you know, and comes home to stay. And and they have this moment where they're both roughly the same age now, and and so begins their love affair. But it seems so opportunistic on the part of Kate Blanchett's character of Daisy that it's hard to really get behind it. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think you I don't think you're wrong. Like even the idea of and this is another thing that like I said before that kinda like annoyed me. Like so basically he he realizes once like she gets pregnant and like Benjamin like says, Listen, you the last thing I want to do is like you're gonna be left with two small kids, like cause I keep you know, I keep aging backwards and I'm eventually going to end up... And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that's going to be. Um, and, you know, like, what, what the kid needs is a real father, you know, one that ages normally. <laughs> like, you know, um, and all this. So he does what he thinks is the, the right thing, uh, which is he sells all these worldly possessions, leaves them a, a, a beautiful nest egg, um, and then fucks off. Which, once again... I'm like that, right? That's noble. Only to what? Fifteen minutes after that, come back as a much younger man and sleep with her again. Yeah. And well, like, now he's all horny. He can't think straight. <laughs> he's all yep. filled with puberty, and it's but, just like I gotta get me some of that. But you know what I mean? I'm like, what are we doing? He comes back to see his daughter as well. He actually sees his daughter. I'm like, so like all that, all that benevolent stuff that you were doing, all that like, you know. All, all the stuff that you were really taking the kind of moral high ground, so to speak, uh, uh, the way you were doing things, it's completely undone now. Because you're just like, I don't like Daisy as a character, but you're just fucking with her now. Um, and potentially messing up that family. Uh, and all the rest. And then we jump forward a little bit more, and now he's a, he's a kind of nine, ten year old, maybe. Uh, and this is how she gets the book, um, is that he's been found essentially living rough, He's got the beginning of onset dementia uh, because he will now be in his what eighties, um, but he looks like nine years old, and she basically looks after him and continues to look after him until he becomes a baby, and then, like you said before, the day the clock, the the old clock is dismantled and replaced with a digital clock, 
uh, is the day that he dies. So he basically, he, but she seems to reckon that when he looks at her, he recognises who she is right before he closes his eyes and dies as a baby. And I'm like, right. And then we jump back to essentially the modern time. And um, <laughs> Julia Ormond's like, okay, don't know what to deal with that. But that's when the that's when Katrina hits. And then for no reason at all, she looks out the window as she is about to die. She looks out the window and she too sees a hummingbird that flies away. And I was like, okay. Um... It's a bit of a mess of a movie, if I'm honest. Like, overall, I find that... Maybe maybe the idea of the, like we said before, maybe the mini Maybe nowadays the miniseries idea would probably work as a better format. I'll be honest with you, I am not... I'm not a fan of Forrest Gump. I know that might get me shot on this show. I think Forrest Gump... <laughs> I, I think Forrest Gump is okay for what it is. I remember everyone losing their shit about it when it came out. And I've always kind of looked at it as... Ah, it's, it's an okay movie. I don't think it's like one of the great tomes of cinema that everyone else seems to... And when I say everyone else, a lot of people seem to reckon it is. It's okay for what it is. Um, yeah. But like, it's a similar thing for me. Although the, the balance to time period settings and Forrest Gump is much better and that you actually feel like every time we get another Forrest Gump story there's a logical arc that closes out out with when he's playing ping pong and all that stuff shit and we can get rid of that um, but for the most part those loops and stories make sense and they're not all centred solely around like Jenny obviously Jenny's always there in the background but they're not always centred around it whereas in this one it always seems to be from the moment we meet Daisy pretty much everything's centred around Daisy in one way shape or form because that's how we're getting the story told that's the that's essentially the, the narration is from from her daughter beside her and she keeps like why does she keep <laughs> here's another thing that annoyed me um like she's got the book in front of her <laughs> <laughs> and she's reading the book but we keep having these moments where she stops reading the book so she can see and what happened next I'm like you've got the fucking book read the book <laughs> yeah. which is what her mum says to her read the book <laughs> she's like a fucking impatient child I'm too old to be talking to you about what happened <laughs> yeah wait till, wait, wait till you get to chapter 6 and you find out who your real father is um, but it's <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like, yeah they're there's some twists and turns in this, so you're going to really enjoy it. Yeah, strap yourself uh, in. Um, it just, it feels, it feels very twee and very whimsical and also very cynical. Um, and I, f I find myself struggling with that because at its core, it has some great performances. It's shot beautifully. It has a beautiful score. I actually think the visual effects, even though he's creepy as fuck earlier on, mm -hmm. A lot of that holds up surprisingly well compared to, I don't know, some of the effects he used for um, some of those Star Wars movies where they brought back Peter Cushion and I was like, oh my fucking God, what have you done to Peter Cushion's face? That is terrifying. I compare that to some of the old, man, uh, old men effects um, of Brad Pitt in this movie and they look infinitely better. Um, so, you know what I mean? I, it's... It, it's too long. It's too messy. I don't like Kate Blanchett. Um, I understand, like you say, I understand the story behind it. I understand what we're doing. And I think there's there's an interesting element in there. But I think the vehicle in which this movie tries to utilise it just feels really clumsy. Um, 
And it's also, surprisingly, a very simple message to get over in a three-hour movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, it reminds me a little bit. I'm trying to think what what that Hulu special was called with the the magician. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about. Um, but it, it was uh, it was it was a bit of a you know cause celebre for a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, hang on, let me. Uh, Derek De, uh, Delgadio is the guy's name in and of itself was the uh the the name of the special and people lost their shit over it <laughs> and it was and it was good it was a really good stage production but the whole theme of it was essentially we contain multitudes and you can't you can't judge a book by its cover it was kind of the at the end of the day that's what the message of the of, of the whole piece was that you can't ever really know someone until you talk to them and and hear their experiences and all that stuff and it's like right yeah of course and people were just like oh my god it was something i never thought about it's like you listen to you selfish motherfucker the <laughs> fact that you never thought about other people before you saw this special on hulu just means you're an asshole doesn't make you doesn't mean that the scales have fallen from your eyes i hope it i hope they have i hope you're a better person on the other side of it but that's kind of how I felt about Benjamin Button as well, is that there are moments in it that I think are kind of poignant about, you know, people, it feels too simplistic is the thing. Yeah. You know, like he has a line that's something to the effect of, of course, people leave. That's how you know how important they are to you. Yeah. And it's like, eh, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> um that, that like i i'm just such a i i do believe that there are moments that you have to value like i i do that in my own life where you kind of stop and you take a mental snapshot you know where you're yeah. like this is a really nice moment i'm with people that i care about this is a moment that i don't know if i'll have an opportunity to experience again or there's something about it that feels really special and i want to commit that to memory i want to take a moment and pause and think about that and understand that this moment is fleeting you know but for a movie to spend you know almost three hours to get to well you never you never step in the same river twice and it's like yeah i guess also, wh why is Kate Blanchett such a shitty person? She's why, really like, not a nice girl. <laughs> can't yeah, I like and, Kate Blanchett as an actress, but like at the end of this movie, yeah. I was like, maybe I, I don't know if this, I don't know if I'll look at her the same way now. <laughs> yeah, no, Kate Blanchett's a, a terrific performer. Like the gift, I think, is yeah. incredible yeah. thanks to her yes. and Giovanni Ribisi. But you know, we'll talk about that another it's time. Another day. <laughs> yeah, that's a story for another day. But yeah, it it just feels like it's like you said it's very twee yeah it it's expertly done like there's nothing wrong with the movie and there are moments that are genuinely really good and mm -hmm. touching and all that stuff like again david venture knows how to make a movie and how to put a movie together it's just really frustrating that it doesn't ever gel into uh, like a single thing yeah, you know, it it never the 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 whole does not equal the sum of its parts. Yes, and it's unfortunate because I don't hate the movie or anything. I think it, I think it's ridiculously average. 
the highs mm -hmm. the highs are quite good but also there are characters i don't care about and storylines i don't particularly care about and um that part of it's really frustrating because i wish it were better i, I do i wish it I wish I responded to the, all of the movie the way that I respond to moments in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because when you were doing the, the kind of end sort of monologue from that one, it got me thinking. Can, can we do one more quote from the movie? Please do. And it, here, here's what needs to happen. Yes. You, you cut out a bunch of the bullshit, you make the movie an hour 40, <laughs> and you end with this, and you, and you got yourself a film. But it's, it's the letter... Uh, to his art because the whole thing with Julie Ormond's character is she says like I've kind of made a mess of my life and yeah. I'm a little adrift a little rudderless right now and there's a passage in the diary that Benjamin Button leaves that, that we learn is not written to Kate Blanchett it's written to his daughter yes yes and, like, all that stuff is brilliant by the way all the yeah. yes they're all brilliant and and one of the passages is for what it's worth it's never too late or in my case too early to be whoever you want to be there's no time limit stop whenever you want you can change or stay the same there are no rules to this thing we can make the best or the worst of it i hope you make the best of it i hope you see things that startle you i hope you feel things you've never felt before i hope you meet people with a different point of view i hope you live a life you're proud of if you find that you're not I hope you have the strength to start all over again. And it's a really Credits. nice bit of, yeah, it, it's a really nice bit of, of, yeah. of writing. It's a nice delivery from Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. It, it, it kind of rounds out the story with his daughter, but you don't ever get a, a resolution to that. Like, I wish the movie had ended with her, like, instead of ending with Kate Blanchett dying and then the flood in new orleans <laughs> taking the clock yeah like have julia ormond find her you know her mother has passed on collect all of the shit and head out of the hospital and someone uh someone can say like well what are you going to do now and she could reply something different yeah because well, like she it, walks out the room <laughs> yeah when, when the thing goes off our mother dies so she, our mother dies when she's not in the room um and then a hummingbird comes up for no reason at all uh and it flies off and that's the end of the movie <laughs> yeah yeah why is julia ormond in this movie there are just too many loose threads and and shit that ultimately doesn't yeah add up yeah and it's so for again it, the, like the reason it's so frustrating is because there are moments in this movie that are so good that you can't help but think like this should have been what the whole movie was. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's also like the, well, we mentioned before, it's also by a man who, you know, 365 days earlier released Zodiac. Right. Which, which, yeah, dealt, with, yes. which dealt with complex, like, like a, a weaving of the complexity of obsession on three different characters from three different backgrounds over decades. Mm -hmm. and, and then we come to this and I'm like that, this is the guy you give the movie to someone having to deal with something over decades. And it just feels, it feels lost. It feels unfocused. It meanders. And, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's just not on. <laughs> it's just not on. Yeah. 
Um, the, 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 the good news is, Bo, um, mm-hmm. is that within two years, he did win his Oscar. So uh, he didn't get it for this one, um, for Best Picture. Uh, he won it for the movie he made two years later, which will be our next movie that we're jumping to, which is a refreshing two hours long <laughs> by comparison. A breezy social... two hours. Yeah, yeah, a breezy two hours, which is the social network. There is one question I have to ask you, though, uh, before we, we get to, to setting this up. Uh, I think I know what the answer is, uh, but we need to do it anyway for the prosperity of the show. Um, as it stands just now, both myself and yourself are resolute in our belief that up until the point we watched the film Zodiac, Zodiac is the best movie that David Fincher has done. We've now watched one movie past that, that being The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Does Zodiac still rule the roost, or has The Curious Case of Benjamin Button dethroned it, Bo? Uh, yeah, despite all its its uh, heart and, and messy narrative, uh, no, uh, the, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button is not a better movie than Zodiac. Anyone who tells you different is a liar <laughs> or insane, and you should have no business with them uh, further. The, 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 there's, I'm with you on that one, by the way, but there is an interesting comparison between the <laughs> the speed of the main character, uh, Brad Pitt, and how slow he talks compared to the fact that our next movie, The Social Network, has Jesse Eisenberg talking a mile a minute. <laughs> <laughs> with an yeah. Aaron Sorkin script um, oh, t- let's set this up very very quickly um, how many times have you seen The Social Network? I've only seen it one time actually I saw it when it originally came out mm. and uh, and I haven't revisited it and I'm very excited to like of all the movies we're going to talk about potentially unseating Zodiac Social Network is the one that at least stands a chance. Yeah, well, this is, like I said before, this is the one where he, he got his Oscar for Best Film, and I I, I remember seeing it in the cinema and kind of being blown away by it. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much like yourself, though I have never revisited it. I've seen it once in the cinema and never went back to it, mostly because I find the very idea of Mark Zuckerberg, um, like so unappealing and <laughs> so rage consuming that um i i, I don't want to I, I didn't want to go back through that but we are going to go through it for this one so our next episode ladies and gents which to be honest with you will not have a huge amount of time to wait for because myself and bo are going to try and make up the time that we lost during summer series so my aim is within the next couple of weeks uh, the social network episode will drop and I think Bo's right, this could be a contender ladies and gents this could be the one, if there was a threat to the position of Zodiac it may very well be the social network um, Bo uh, if I can yes, yeah, to further tease Duncan Ooh, I think you and I share a lot of the same ideas about social media in general, Yes. so not only do I think it's going to be interesting to talk about this movie which is Again, one of those upper tier venture films. I think it is going to lead us into some interesting discussion about social media in general. Well, yeah, this movie came out five years after Facebook was a thing. We are now a further 11 years on from that. So 16 years after the launch of Facebook. So, um, yeah, let's just say time has not been kind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really turned into a, a real hive of scum and villainy <laughs> on the Facebook. 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I, I genuinely think we're going to go into some really interesting territory. And uh, yeah, this is this has got all the Fincher flair that you want, and I'm very much looking forward to coming back to it. Bo, you're a busy guy. You do lots of stuff over that Legion podcast network. Uh, let the folks out there know what they can be checking out with your name on it. Uh, the, the stuff with my name on it uh, would be things like Pick 6 Movies, uh, which is a, a program I do with uh, Chad, um, an old, old friend of mine. I've known him for uh, about 40 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do a, a series of movies, six movies, in, in fact, uh, built around a common theme. Uh, this season is a season we call Comic Sans Quality. <laughs> Um, which is a little bit of a French uh, <laughs> play on words. And um, yeah, we're talking about uh, comic book uh, or comic inspired films that are uh, real garbage. And uh, we let off with Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can listen to that right now. And also uh, coming very soon uh, will be an episode on Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> which has one of one of your better unhinged uh nicholas cage performances um you can also check out hero hero go show which is all about asian horror um you can uh what else do i do duncan you do duncan, duncan Boca, correct Bates. yeah <laughs> see I, you, you've never listened to it i've never but, listened to it um you would think that i would have um <laughs> Yeah, so we're about to wrap up the the look at Slasher Season 2 on on that one. That's been a real journey. So that you can go back and and listen to uh, the first seven episodes of that. I love the fact it came out a whole year of COVID and the way we thought we'd celebrate the slow and steady climate of COVID is by punishing ourselves for what will be about a year and a bit of Slasher. Yes, yeah, slasher is the delta variant of television shows, <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, and oh, uh, also uh, for subscribers to the Legion podcast feed, you'll also uh, get a show called What You Watching mm-hmm. with Jamie and Bo, and which myself and Jamie Jenkins uh, talk about recent watches. But it's really an excuse to just, just you know plunk a quarter and Jamie and let her uh, rant and ramble. <laughs> Because the the more free reign you give that brain, uh, you just get nothing but gold. Oh yeah, it's a hundred percent head brain action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, you can find all of that over at legionpodcasts.com, along with a bunch of other stuff that uh, we host on on that website. But uh, I don't I don't have anything to do with other than uh, you know posting all the all the stuff and and whatnot but um yeah a lot of fun stuff going on over there we've got uh uh if i could plug another show of course uh, for a moment um there's uh hello this is the doom show yes which is my uh richard glenn schmidt Mm -hmm. and a rotating series of co-hosts like jeffrey and simon and those guys and I got to tell you, Duncan, outside of uh, perhaps your your podcast under the stairs and things like that, one of my favorite shows about obscure horror. Yes. Yeah. I, I think um, it's interesting. Like whenever you speak to like <laughs> Dim shows like a podcaster's podcast, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and I wish more people checked it out. I genuinely wish more people checked it out because it is yeah. legit great. So. In fairness, more people have been. That's so, good. 
yeah i i see them numbers and uh yeah that that show continues to to gain an audience and also like you know cinema Psy psyops and like court and mad and uh bd clinic and mm -hmm. psychosemantic with vanessa and darren and yeah, i mean eh, it's just a good group of people and a good group of shows i really enjoy it nice well ladies and gents that's us done our work here on this one we've managed to get through that movie which was the one that i think we were both kind of like eh, we're gonna have to do it but it does mean we get to to turn our attention to the social network which will be coming your way in the next couple of weeks all that is left for me to do is thank you very much for checking out the show remember check out the other shows on the teapots collective whether it's a little bit of where to begin with a little bit of doing the nasty and keep your eyes peeled for chronicle making its way back to the feed for its fourth season this coming November um, yeah all that's left for me to do is thank you very much and I'll speak to you next time bye everyone